Sugars. We are up close and personal today. We have an episode with my friend, Allie Velez. She's a writer at BuzzFeed, uh, but maybe the reason why I had her on the show is because just as a friend, I was listening to her talk a lot about her experience with having a child and breastfeeding, and she started a blog about this, but basically... It really opened my, this conversation opened my eyes to, um, and this is for men and women, actually. So if, if you're, if you're Patrick Hine, if you're listening to this saying, oh gosh, are we going to talk about girl stuff? It's not just about girl stuff. It's about the way we talk to pregnant women and the kind of questions we just societally, societally, I can't say that word, we think are okay to ask pregnant women when after this conversation with Allie, it's real me, really made me rethink uh, what words and what language that I use with women that are expecting or that have had a baby or that have just had a baby. And also we have a conversation about, and I didn't know this, a lot of the pressure and shame that women feel from other women and, and, and the pressure they get from other women about childbirth and what that is. So if you're a woman that's had a baby or is going to have a baby, I hope that you relate to this. And if you're a man, I hope that you're able to have some empathy for women that are going through this. But this was a really, this is one of those conversations where we taped this about two months ago and I'm still thinking about it actually. So uh, it's, um, yeah, hopefully it's something you keep thinking about too. All right, let me know. Go to DearMattyShow.com and let me know what you think of this episode or tweet me at TheMattMar or find me on the Instagram. Sugars, I'll see you after the show. that hot yet it's a little i'm a little warm that's okay yeah hello everybody it's a hot day in los angeles and we just turned off the air and the fans because i'm here with ali aldifer oh doing, boy. doing a podcast i say aldifer because the last time you were here it was velez yeah i mean well professionally it's still velez so well like, that's true my on my blog and stuff like that it's still velez Pro- professionally yeah. makes it sound like you're an escort yeah. You're not. I'm sort of. You're a writer. I, well, actually, it's like my my person. It's sort of schizophrenic because, you know, sometimes I'm Ali Aldifer, sometimes I'm Ali Velez, like on Buzzfeed, I'm Ali Velez, and sometimes Ali Velez Aldifer. So depends on which social media site you find me on or which you know project you find me on. I haven't I haven't like nailed down one identity yet. So you kept your middle name, or is your last name now like legally? Is your, do- no, legally I don't have Velez anymore. Okay. I'm legally I'm Alicia Marie Aldifer, mm. um, but. Like for my own identity mm-hmm. and, you know, to because I, I, you know, I, it's important to me to be identified as a Latina writer mm-hmm. and Aldifer does not do that for me, <laughs> um, you know, and because I've also I've also already started a career with one name that I yeah, wanted to sort been, of keep that around. You've you been know? to BuzzFeed for how long now? Uh, two and a half years. I mean, you're doing stuff before that even, but yeah. I mean, still a yeah. long time. Yep. A long time. So, sorry, we just jump into everybody. If you've listened to the show before, you, if you listen to episode two of the Dear Maddie show, uh, which uh, I've recorded over 100 episodes now. What? That's crazy. I know. That is crazy. Uh, over three years ago, uh, you can listen to the second episode with Ali Velez and I. Um, and yeah, the second episode of my show. And back then, I think, where were you working? It was like... I was... I think I was already at YouTube Nation. Yes. But... Um, the funny thing about that episode, Justin, my husband, and I were just talking about it, is when we recorded it, I hadn't met him. I was single and whatever. Mm-hmm. And then by the time it aired, like a month later, we were dating. And he like listened to it. Like ah. we had been on like four dates and he like listened to the podcast and you know, whatever. But it was just Ooh. really interesting. Yeah. And now you are married and have a baby. And yep. Yeah. 
living the dream. All of that in All three that. years. All of that in three years. So the reason why, so I don't just have, I, well, let's be honest. At first I had anybody who would fucking be on my show because I was like, please just be on my podcast, friend. You really should call it Matt Marr and Friends. <laughs> I, sh- I should. It, well, it was at it's first. It's like Carol Burnett and Friends. It was actually. But now like I keep having more and more people I don't know, which I enjoy. Like yeah. my 100th episode, um, which it would have already aired by then. But, you know, that was a guy named Matt Marr. But I, we never hung out ever. He just came over and he could have killed me. But he didn't. Uh, it was a really enjoyable episode. Uh, that would have been an interesting headline, though. Matt Marr kills Matt Marr. Yeah, that's true. There's another Matt Marr I still want to interview. but I, I think Are you still in I'm, touch with Australia, Matt Marr? I'm going to add him, too. He's supposed to come in. I, I might you should do, do it all at once. You should do like a... I'm thinking about doing a series, actually. Oh, I'm saying this on the air now, so then I'm like holding myself to it. Because This American Life did like a yeah. John Doe thing. Um, was it John Doe? I don't remember. It was somebody's name like yeah. that. So anyway, um, but yes, so um, is everything okay with the mic? Yeah, I just don't want to make noise every time I move it, and I'm fidgety. No, it's fine. It's okay. I normally have the mic stands, but I've been lazy. I haven't put those up for like a year. Yeah. Also, because they keep breaking. I need new mic stands. Yeah, rickety, janky show, budget, as Jake says. So, okay, so the reason why I brought Allie to the show today is because – because, you know, I I do want to have my friends on the show always because I love them, but – Unless you're Jake, who demands to be on the show, who basically says, it's my, I haven't seen, been there for a while. My fans miss me. He literally says that. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, but also, you know, I, something that I hopefully hope that you, all of you listening out there that will listen to, and I know a lot of my audience are mothers. A lot of you are mothers with young kids. Um, one of my favorite listeners who was on the show, Jackie Wiseman, has her blog. Yep, and I love her. I, I love, love her blog. I love her blog, Mudley Mama. I had Mandy Roush on the show who talked about, uh, I'll never forget when she said something like, I don't know if you listened to that episode. I did. Where she's like, sometimes I just like to flip my son off. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe laugh so hard. So, um, and those episodes probably have been some of my most well-received episodes. People are emailing or tweeting about it. So that's why I always feel like this space that I want to hold for new mothers or not new, just mothers in particular. Cause I feel like it's cliche to say, but I think it's a, a some cliches are true is that it's the hardest job I think in the world. I yeah. truly do think that. So, and I know that you Rafe is, um, is it okay if I said his name? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Um, cause I could edit it out, but even though I hate it, but I would, um, four months, four and a half, now? four months old, four yeah. months old. So, you had this you had this little baby boy and it was I mean it was a process in that it wasn't like I mean people have had, I know women in my life that have had a harder time getting pregnant but I know a lot of them that have had less you know that only thing they did to get it pregnant was do a couple of tequila shots right. so <laughs> and you were more much more in the middle of that so you ended up starting and you now you're yes you do write for BuzzFeed but you're also doing your own thing now and you're writing a blog yeah it's called themamafiles.com the, mama yes, uh, the full name is the mama files dispatches from the scarred underbelly of motherhood which is, um, because yeah. I do have the scars to prove it you do yeah you do, you do. <laughs> so uh, you know and I the so what led you to write that's what I want to know first yeah well so you know I'm a writer and my company BuzzFeed has a very generous generous um, maternity leave policy so I was off of work for the first four months of my son's life and during that time you heard that right everybody four months four months it was it's in 18 weeks it's 18 weeks oh and Um, also by the way Allie and I purposely haven't really talked a lot about this I've read her blog but just so you know people are like are they this is like the first time we're really talking about this so you're getting it firsthand 
Um, so while I was off on that time, you know, I didn't really have lots of time to be just like writing, (laughs) but I also needed an outlet to share my thoughts and to share, you know, even with my other mom friends, like we would talk about stuff, but there's a lot of stuff that people don't really just like talk about, or Mm -hmm. at least I feel like not completely honestly about. Mm -hmm. And for me, um, the blog was, a, a really, a great source of like catharsis and, of creativity to just sort of like be writing again. But more importantly, my, what I like to say is my mission statement with this blog is, um, honesty over poetry. So Mm. I don't edit my blog posts. I don't like reread them and like, I'm not precious about the language. I just sit down and whatever I'm thinking about or whatever's on my mind, I just write it. And then I go over it one time for spelling or like glaring grammar mistakes and then I hit publish. So I can't take it back. Like I just put it out there in the world. I don't like hold on to it for a couple of days, read it, have my husband read it or someone else or like edit it, move a paragraph around. No, for me, it's all just about like getting my honest thoughts out there. And like I've said, like I say, like in the about me section, it's not, um, it may not be the best writing I've ever done, but it's the most honest. So for me, like, you know, that's, that's my big key in this is, you know, honesty above poetry. It's just real. Well, what I relate to that, and I think a lot of other people do, and I relate to this too because I know you and I know how you are and you and I can be the same way that we can um, over-obsess about something because mm-hmm. we want it to be perfect. Yep. So just as you, me hearing you say that, because I, again, we haven't, I didn't know that. And I'm like, as a friend, like another friend to see you be like, that's a friend win. You know what I mean? Because yeah. that's a big deal for you. And it's hard. It's really would... hard to put something out there without like, because I'm a writer and like, that's what I do professionally. So it's really hard for me to not go back and be like, oh, that language, or I used that word four times in one paragraph, mm-hmm. or, you know, I could make that a much prettier sentence. I don't do that. It's just, it's just putting it out there. And it's, it's a, it's definitely a challenge for me to just, the honesty is not so much a challenge because I'm pretty I'm pretty honest and, you know, like, I, I'm honest about myself, you know? Like, I'm not one of those, like, bluntly honest people who walk up to someone and just be like, girl, your makeup is terrible. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not honest in that way, but I'm honest about myself. Mm-hmm. You know, if someone asks me how I'm doing, I'm going to tell them, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and so for me, being honest about my personal, my own experience mm-hmm. and my, like, being, just being authentic to my own experience because I know my experience is mine. It's not everybody else's. What I write about breastfeeding or what I write about my birth experience or whatever is, may not be right for you or your family or may not be, relatable to you but it's Mm -hmm. it's what i know from my experience only and i think other mothers listening to and people just in general uh, are going to listen to this and think you know that like you're one of those people who like waits to start things or you wait for the perfect time or you wait for the i mean this is believe me i feel like and i say this with love if if Allie can do this, you can do this too. Because I know yeah. you. This is that was probably hard for you at first. Has it now? Is it still hard to do there, or now is it like freeing to just read it once? Or like, where are you on that spectrum? Um, it's still it's really freeing. Like the last post I wrote was a week ago. I'm trying to because you know I'm busy. I got a baby and a full time job, so I um I'm trying to commit to at least one post a week. Mm-hmm. So I'm due for one this weekend. But my last post was last Sunday night. I wasn't even intending to write a post, but I was going back to work for the first time the next day Mm. and I was having a lot of anxiety and I was freaking out a little bit. And instead of just like sitting on my couch and crying about it, I opened my laptop and I literally just wrote it. That post is probably the most all over the place post I've written because Mm. I've just, it was like a stream of consciousness post. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I finished writing it, I felt better. 
it made me laugh. Like you wrote, like in the middle, you're like, "This is all over the fucking place" or something. Like that. Yeah. But I didn't think so actually. Uh, but it was it was not only cathartic. It just sort of like got all of that anxiety out without mm-hmm. having to like, because I didn't really want to talk about it. My husband is amazing, and like there have been times, especially when I was pregnant, where I would just look at him and I would say, "I'm feeling a little anxious," and he would say, "About what?" And I'd say, "I don't know," and he'd help me like just talk it out and figure it out why I was anxious and how mm-hmm. we could like sort of resolve it um you know and then there are sometimes where i just don't want to talk about it i just want to say it Mm. i don't want feedback i don't want to like discuss it or get to the root of it i just want to be like this is what i'm feeling right now and i and just like like barf it out you know Mm -hmm. and so that was what that post was so while it's not hard for me to talk about my own experience the one post i struggled with publishing I didn't struggle too long with it, but was the post about my birth experience and about my emergency C-section and sort of like that it was not really the the dream birth I had imagined and it was mm-hmm. somewhat traumatic for me, the whole experience. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I struggled with posting it um, or even writing it completely truthfully was because it's not just my story, it's my son's story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, someday he's going to read it. And I want him to, but I didn't want to have him have any negative associations with his birth or like mm-hmm. our first moments together or, mm-hmm. you know, the day that I met him, I didn't want him to think that was a shitty day for me. You know, all in all, I'd go through it again a hundred times to have him. But I'm always very careful. I don't mention his name on my blog. Mm-hmm. Um, I am very careful to sort of protect his own telling of his own story when he's mm-hmm. ready. Um, you know, so there'll be times where I'll talk about him. I'll tell funny stories or I'll, you know, I'm sure when he's like three and he's, you know, he has poop on his face. I'm going to write about that. But, you know, I don't want one of his, you know, I don't want his high school crush to be able to Google his name and read a story about the time he had poop on his face when he was mm-hmm. three years old. You know, so it's very important to me to sort of respect that, you know, that part of his life that's precious to him. Do mm-hmm. Do, so with... What so you talked about honesty, uh, honesty over poetry, mm-hmm. kind of your mission statement. So, but also too, I know as somebody who's starting something, like I always have usually not a full map for me, not a full map of ideas, but there's like certain things or notes I want to talk about. So, for you, what? And I don't want to go. I mean, we can't go over. No, I don't want to go over every blog <laughs> post because I want people to go to your go to your website and yeah. read it. Mamafiles.com, right? The Mamafiles. The Mamafiles.com. The Mamafiles.com. It's Mama, M-A-M-A, and files like the X-Files. Which there will be a link in the in the notes of the yeah. show. Um, but so, but what were, when you, before you started this, what like, what topics led to you to be like, I feel like I want to write about this. Like, pardon me, did you want to write about it because you feel like it had been written or it hadn't been before? Um, you know, I know there's a million mom, mom blogs out there, you know, um, and I didn't necessarily want to classify it as a mom blog. I almost didn't like the original title of it was just called who needs sleep, Mm. uh, because I felt like it worked for a a new mom, but it also worked for a person who like has a baby and a full-time job Uh and a husband and a life and also decided to write like, I just don't need to sleep because I'm just going to be doing projects all the time. Um, but, uh. There wasn't one specific topic. It was just, you know, I would have conversations with friends. And there was, there's, there's a lot of, even among friends, even among the best, the most well-meaning people, there's a lot of, like, judgment in motherhood. Mm. Um, even people who aren't conscious of doing it. Because I have friends who 
I adore and who I know don't actually like actively judge me, but would ask me a question in a way that like implied their desired answer. So they mm-hmm. would say like, oh, you're, breast- you're still breastfeeding, right? Mm. Meaning you want me to say yes, of course, and it's the most wonderful thing I've ever experienced, mm-hmm. which was not my truth, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and it was when I found myself lying to strangers and to friends because it was easier than like having an honest conversation about like my body um, that I was like, I need to write some of this stuff down because because it's I, I need to say, I need to tell the truth. You know, we're like, I, I was walking with my son and he was, you know, I was care, I was wearing him in a carrier and he was, I mean, just a few months old. I mean, he's only four months old now and this was a, a month or two ago. And, you know, I don't want to get too into it because I could talk for hours about it, but. We got time. Well, okay. So, so basically my, my breastfeeding, and I haven't written about this yet because it's just one of those topics I need to really just like sit down and focus and write about because I have so many thoughts on it. Before I had my baby, when I was pregnant, I was a hundred percent, I was like, I'm going to breastfeed for as long as I possibly can, you know, for six months to a year, you know, maybe even longer. I, you know, I don't want, I, I want that for him. I want to be able to do that. It's, you know, it's going to be a wonderful bonding experience and it's going to be beautiful and it's going to be healthier for him. And, um, and then I had my baby and I started breastfeeding and, you know, I, I, I knew that there would be some pain and, and discomfort involved and I was willing to like live through that for my son and be noble, but like that's bullshit. You don't need to be noble if it's a terrible experience for you and a terrible experience for your child. Mm-hmm. And what happened was um, he was having a hard time like, he would he would latch on fine, but he was having a hard time like staying or like he was getting he would get frustrated at the breast. I was getting so sore that like I was cringing and like crying when he was breastfeeding. I'm like, that's not a magical experience for mm. me or for him when his mother is like wincing in pain when he's feeding. Mm-hmm. But still, like I soldiered on. What happened was at the hospital, um, he lost a lot of weight after he was born. Um, which is normal, but he lost more weight than the doctors were comfortable with. Uh, so they made us stay an extra day, and they were like, if he doesn't gain a certain amount of weight back by tomorrow, we're going to have to supplement him with formula because he's just not, like, doing well enough on mm-hmm. exclusive breast milk. And I refused the formula. I stayed an extra day, and I got him back up to weight. And so we came home, and I felt really proud of this, like, achievement. And I was like, I did it. I got my baby back to where he's supposed mm. to be, you know. But even then, we took him for his two-week checkup, and they were not happy with his weight. And I was pumping all the time, and I was feeding all the time. When he was awake, I was feeding him. When he was asleep, I was pumping for, like, an hour. Then he'd wake up, and I'd feed him again. And it was just like I literally was just on this cycle of, like, milking myself. whether and by no my sleep, And really. no sleep. You know, and I was overwhelmed. And so after we had like, he had lost so much weight that we were seeing the doctor almost like every other day and they were weighing him. Mm. And finally, I was getting so frustrated and he was getting so frustrated and I was worried about his health. So we started supplementing with formula. I was still mostly breastfeeding and pumping so he could because at least with the bottles we could keep track of how many ounces he was eating Mm -hmm. when he's drinking from the breast I have no idea how much he's actually getting so I'd pump into bottles and feed him and then you know when there was no more bottles of my pumped milk for the day or whatever we'd supplement with a little bit of formula and the more he started drinking the formula the more he started thriving and you know and then it became a thing of like well he was just 
barely surviving on the breast milk. And it was a terrible experience for both of us. And then he was like thriving on the formula. And with the formula, when I bottle fed him, I was able to just like look at him and he was looking up at me and we were like making eye contact and having this, that was the bonding experience I had been looking for with the breastfeeding. Mm. And it was this really beautiful, really lovely experience. And he was happy and I was happy and the doctor was happy and my husband was happy and it's what worked for us. And so the more he was thriving on the formula, the less milk I was producing Mm. because he wasn't, breast milk is a supply and demand kind of situation. Um, you know, and then I was told by one doctor that like I could, you know, there's certain vitamins I could take and like cookies I could eat and like all these different things I could do to stimulate and, and produce more milk. But the more I saw him thriving on the breast milk and the better time we were having and the more involved Justin got to be in his feeding, uh, I was like, you know what? I don't want to, I'm okay with it. And so by the time he was three months old, he was exclusively on formula and he was happy. I was happy. It was the best thing for our family. And I know it's not the best thing for everyone. You know, I know there are women who breastfeed until the kid is two years old or longer. And that's wonderful. And I know women who have been feeding them formula since the first day at the hospital who never breastfed. And that's wonderful. If it makes you happy and your kid is healthy, that's all that fucking matters. Mm-hmm. You know? But I would find myself, you know, my son was three months old. So by this point, he was like, At this point, I was still pumping a little bit, but it was like 80% formula, 20% breast milk. And I was walking around in my neighborhood and I was holding him in a, in a like, you know, baby wrap. And this woman who I'd never met, she was a neighbor, came over and was like, oh, hi, how are you? I live over here. What a beautiful baby. Thank you. Literally, we've been talking for like 30 seconds. And she's like, she asked the two hot button questions that everybody asks you when you have a baby. How's he sleeping? Terrible. He's a fucking baby. Like, <laughs> and, and then are you breastfeeding? And, you know, first of all, my, my gut reaction was like, I don't know your name. And you're asking me what I'm doing with my breasts. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not asking you questions about what you're doing with your genitals. Like, you mm-hmm. know, but. But my answer was like, yeah, of course, because it was easier than being like, well, let me tell you what happened at the hospital. And he's been so sick. And I and then the other thing was, you know, I was recovering from a C-section and then I started having these like gallbladder attacks. I recently just had my gallbladder taken out. So I was I've been unwell basically since my son was born until like a week ago, mm-hmm. you know, because I had the surgery two weeks ago. So between me being unwell, which was a whole other part of the puzzle. And him being unwell, Mm -hmm. you know, but instead of getting into all of that with this nosy neighbor, I was just like, yes, of course. And so when I found myself then at another like friend's barbecue where a bunch of friends and their kids were there and a friend, you know, sort of like saw me, saw Justin feeding the baby and was like, oh, is that formula? And I was like, yeah, you know, we supplemented because he's and I started justifying and I could have just been like, yeah, it's formula, Mm. you know, and it's like those those self-imposed feelings, you know. And I had a hard time, you know, it wasn't even like the decision was just like, oh, he's doing better. I'm going to stop breastfeeding. It was really hard for me. I cried about it. I, you know, I, I felt guilty. I felt ashamed because I felt like that was what I was supposed to do. I already felt like. I, I think had, there's huge pressure for yeah, it. And I'm a I, guy. Well, I, I, I also I felt like, it. I also felt like, you know, when you're pregnant, everybody from the doctors to the like my prenatal yoga teacher to everybody tells you two things like this is what your body was made to do your body was made to birth babies and your body was made to feed them like these are the things that like breast that, is best the, all that the, stuff. these are the things that like my body was 
made for it. This is why I'm on the earth, right? Is to like push a baby out of my vagina and then feed him with my boobs. And I felt like because I had to have an emergency C-section, I already failed once. I didn't like Mm. give birth to my son. He was surgically removed from my body. So I felt like I failed once already, and now I'm I'm giving up. Like I'm the the only other thing that like I could give him that nobody in the world, nobody else in the world could give him. I'm giving up, Mm -hmm. and that felt terrible, Mm. you know. And my amazing husband Justin Justin reminded me that like it's not all your body was made to do. Like you also carried him for nine months and kept him alive and kept him healthy and brought him into this world healthy and you know and I had to remind myself that yeah that's a big fucking deal I spent almost yeah. a year with a human being inside of me really that's you know? the bigger part that's, I mean, that's the bigger part that's the majority of the time you're doing is yeah. growing the yeah. child and, and another, that's another story and you can read it on the blog but it was a miracle that I got pregnant you know yeah. so even getting pregnant and, and and carrying him to term we have a lot of history of miscarriage in my family that is a good um, story by the way everybody you should read that I especially love the way just your reaction. I don't want you to talk about because I want people to read it. But where you, when you find out you're finally pregnant, and how you tell Justin, like your whole reaction to that yeah, it's, was really funny. It, it was, it was, you know, not expected because we had basically been told that it was impossible for us to get pregnant, um, and so, so you know, I had to sort of let go of that shame and that guilt because so the shame comes first, right? The shame always comes first, like the yeah. shame of going back to work and like leaving your child, the shame of stopping breastfeeding, the shame of anything you want to th- mm-hmm. feel like you're doing wrong. And then when you let go of the shame and you're like, okay, maybe I made the right decision because it feels better for me, then there's the guilt because you're like, I feel mm. guilty for feeling good about it. I feel mm-hmm. guilty because I'm enjoying the fact that I don't have to like wake up and pump every three hours. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling guilty because, you know, like, okay, so this past week was my first week back at work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was really hard for me to leave Monday morning. It was really hard. My mom sent me pictures throughout, throughout the day. My mom's been watching him. He starts daycare in August, which is a whole nother ba- ball of like anxiety for me. But... The first two days were really hard for me because I was missing him and I felt bad. I felt guilty for leaving him. Mm-hmm. By Wednesday, I started to feel like, oh, it feels nice to like get dressed and go to the office and talk to adults and like be creative and like write things and mm-hmm. do things that are for me. And so immediately the guilt comes in because mm-hmm. then I feel guilty and selfish for feeling that way. You know, mm. um, you really can't do it. Like I noticed yeah. that because I babysat him, you know, a couple of weeks ago and it was I had a wonderful he was time. the first person that we left him with. I was, I was. the very first person we left him with Uncle Maddie so that we could go see Wonder Woman. Oh, I should have sang him Judy Garland, but I didn't <laughs> fail next time. But I um, and when I saw him, he was good. Like I, I shouldn't say good. I feel bad saying that good that a baby crying's a bad baby. Like, but I mean, like he was low maintenance when yeah. I was there. He's like, a very he slept relatively easy baby. He got a little fussy. He wanted to eat, and like that was it. But still, doing all that and just like I think I changed. When you got home, I was like, I can't fucking believe it. I think I changed his diaper like five times in like three hours. Yeah, and I just thought, oh, it's probably really- more than that. It's probably ten. But I was like. Yeah. I think what, because it's been a long, my nephews are 18 and 16 now, mm-hmm. and I didn't live there. So it's been a long time, but I babysat them, but I was young. I was in my 20s. I was out like sucking dicks. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't babysit them a lot. And so, um, but it it hit me. I was like, wow, you really, you can't do anything else. 
you, it's so hard to do. Yeah. Like, I'm shocked the fact that you were even able to write a blog post. Because it's such, that's when I meant that earlier when I said it's the hardest job. That was the first time in my adult life that I felt like, oh, this is, this is, and this is great because I'm here for four hours and then I go home to my life. But I'm like, wow, this is, this is just all the time. Yeah, especially, especially when, when he was young. a newborn. Yeah. And Justin had to go back to work the day after we came home from the hospital. We came home Sunday. He went to work on Monday. And I was just overwhelmed because he was not sleeping and I was still breastfeeding exclusively. And You're I literally from your I literally was in my pajamas all day. I, I hadn't showered. I didn't shower the whole like first week of his life. Um, and I remember Justin would leave me in the morning and I'd be sitting on the left cushion on our couch and he'd come home in the evening and I'd be still sitting there. You know, and then there's the well-intentioned people who say, oh, sleep when the baby sleeps. I'm like, or pump or try to eat something or try to just like, you know, you know, breathe for one second. You know, there's no sleeping. Yeah. (laughs) There's no sleeping in newborns. Like, there's no sleeping in being a new parent at all. I just, yeah, I just, I'm so glad, grateful. And you've had your mother. Yes, my mother has been a godsend. She was here for the birth and she stayed for a month. So she helped out a lot. And it was only because of her that I was able to take a shower ever Mm -hmm. or get like a two hour nap in the middle of the afternoon. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm grateful for that. When she left, it was really hard. I remember like saying goodbye to her and Justin walked her out to the car because he knew I couldn't like I, I couldn't. I couldn't say goodbye to her outside, you know. Mm-hmm. So I held it together. I said goodbye to her. And by the time Justin came in back in the house, I was just standing there crying. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she came back because I had my surgery two weeks ago. So she came back a couple of days before my surgery to have my gallbladder out um, because, you know, Justin had to go back to work and someone had to help with the baby because I literally wasn't allowed to lift him for two weeks. Mm. Um, they said, don't lift anything more than 10 pounds for two weeks. And I was like, well, my baby's 14 pounds. <laughs> I'm like, well, then don't lift him. You can't lift him. Uh, so she's been here, and she'll be here till the end of the month, and then on August first, he starts daycare. So I want to go back a little bit to something you yeah. said that again still surprised me as a guy. I feel like was Justin surprised? It's kind of like you were talking about the judgment stuff. So I have a two part question. One was Justin <laughs> surprised by it being a man, and secondly, uh, like, do you feel like? Because, you know, you brought such a good point that I'm somebody, I'm a different type of guy where I do love babies and like, and I'm interested even with my friends and childbirth, but I've done that. I've been like, I have totally talked to somebody for five minutes and just started asking questions like, oh, how's it going? Are you breastfeeding? Right. So I'm sure I, I did too. I'm sure I did too, because it's like, there's only a, there's like a list of questions that you're either curious about or that you you feel like you're supposed to ask somebody yeah. who's had a baby. And we need to like change that conversation. Like I've asked like, oh, how was the birth? And now after hearing your story, I'm like, I'm never going to fucking ask that again unless it's maybe like my cousin or sister-in-law, you know, we need somebody right. that's family. Right. Because, but we just do that in our culture. Yeah. We're allowed to talk about those things. You know what? I think I'm going to do a blog post about like alternative things to ask somebody who just had a baby. You know, Ooh, sort yeah, of like, like, do you need anything? Yeah. Or, you know, like, um, you know, what, you know, what's your favorite, like, little face that they make? Or, like, what, you know, ask, ask them questions about their, about their baby mm-hmm. um, that have nothing to do with, like, you know. Their, their, their private business, you know? Yeah, like, or their very, responsibility very, very, as a mother. Very deeply personal decisions, you know? You know? Um, and I'm, P.S., I want to say this is coming from a, uh, talking about a mother perspective, and I know that there are many different types of families out here, and so a lot, you know, 
don't please don't write me and say I'm a father and I'm going through this too. I know you are. Yes. But you're not absolutely. a guest on my couch. If I was talking to a guy, we would have these conversations. So that's just why we're kind of a hundred percent clearly focused on mother and female issues and stuff. Yeah. And do you feel like um do you so do you feel like though most of the kind of the uh the any judgment or uh, are people feeling like you could have done better? Did that come come mostly from other mothers? Um, I think you know. And you asked me if Justin was surprised. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when I first started talking about sort of judging myself for like stopping breastfeeding and stuff like that, and that I, I was afraid that people were going to judge me and st- and like, I think he felt a lot like I was projecting, like I was feeling guilty. So I felt like everybody was going to like judge me mm-hmm. and then we went to that barbecue and two different people asked and me he saw it and two different people asked asked us if that was formula in the bottle and he Which, and he got defensive fucking ask that yeah and he now. got de- and he got defensive and he was just like you know i love him so much because he wanted to like sort of stick up for me and so he was like you know i prefer the bottle feeding he's like because then i get to be involved because we're 50 50 partners and like you know, I want to have this time with my son too, mm-hmm. you know? And then that same friend, her husband chimed in and was like, oh yeah, you know, that's why she pumps so that I can feed the baby from the bottle. And I was like, well, fucking gold star you win. Like, <laughs> I, I, you know, I was like, that's wonderful for you. Uh-huh. And I don't judge you for it. I think that's wonderful. But you know what? That's not my story. Mm-hmm. That's not what worked for us, you know? Mm-hmm. And even then I lied that day and I said, oh yeah. I was like, it's just easier when we're out and about because the breast milk goes bad so fast, which is true, you know. Um, so it's easier when we're out and about. When we travel or we go out, we, we do formula. But, you know, when we're home, we're almost exclusively breastfeeding. And that was that was the last time. That day was the last time I lied. And that was uh, a couple weeks before I, like, bought the domain name and started my blog. So has that – has it come up since that where somebody asked and you told them the truth? Yes. Or – so what's been your yep. experience now? Like- um, people are just like, okay, cool. Like a friend of mine at work, um, you know, I work at BuzzFeed and like, you know, you write an article about something and then people send you free stuff or whatever. So people are always trying to pitch stuff to people. And so a friend of mine who has never written about babies or motherhood, she doesn't have any kids, uh, she got in the, somebody sent her like a nursing bra, like to test out or whatever. So she came over to me, she's like, and she just asked, she goes, Allie, are you currently breastfeeding? Because I have this thing. And I was like, no. I was like, I'm not. So I don't need it. And she's like, okay, cool. And then she went literally and asked somebody else at BuzzFeed who's a mom. You know, it wasn't even like a, oh, why? She, she was just like, you know, it was just like, that when was the whole conversation. It, it was sort of like, too. yeah, it was sort of like, oh, do you eat meat? Like, you know, it was just, mm-hmm. it was just a fact kind of question, mm-hmm. you know? And again, yeah, she was coming with a different intention. Um, and so, but it. It was funny, funny because when she asked me that, I was thrown off guard because nobody's asked me that at work yet, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, she asked me, and I was just like, I made the decision. I was like, no, I'm not. Mm. And I was sitting around like other people who are parents and whatever, and I was just like, no, I'm not. You know, and everybody was like, cool. So, like, do you think that – well, no, no, I agree. Like, it's, uh, it's one of those things, I think, that it almost reminds me of uh, – it's different. But it's also, but it's different, but it's not because it's about what's true to you. And, but it almost reminds me of like 
homophobia and stuff like that, where I grew up thinking there was like I was a little kid, like I was like, oh, nothing's wrong with being gay. And it wasn't until I went out and other, I was like, I'm just doing the best I can. And then other people say, well, you shouldn't do this or that's bad or that's not natural or whatever. And then I internalized that. Yep. So then it's like you play that game of, is this coming from an outside source or is this coming from me? Or And really it's coming from both. But but it's that's the shittiest position to be in because you don't, you don't, as somebody you want, when you have a problem with yourself, you want to, you want to fix or bring attention to the problem. But when you don't know where the, where the, where the pain is coming from, right? it's often like, how do I wrap my head around this? Yeah. Well, and the other, so I want to shift gears a little bit. The other thing that like I, I'm working, uh, I, I'm not working on because like I said, I don't work on my blog posts, but like I had an idea the other day that I want to write about a little bit about like. That's actually what I was just about to ask you about. Fathers? Mm -hmm. Because, like, I was I was having brunch with um, a friend of mine and some other ladies who were all moms. Most of their kids were a little bit older or whatever. I was dealing with a newborn at the table. Mm-hmm. And this woman who I'd met a couple times, I didn't really know her very well, uh, she looked at me and she said, who's with the baby today? Because I was out at brunch. And I said, oh, I was like, my husband, you know? And then uh, she said, oh, my God, was he terrified? I'm like, of what? <laughs> like, I, like, I literally didn't understand the question. I was like, of what? And she's like, of being alone with the baby. I'm like, he's been alone with the baby a lot of times. And can I ask, though, are these women our age? Yeah, our age and a little older. But still, like, but, and you give people reference, I'm 38. You're I'm 38. 39, 38. You'll be 39 in October. Yeah. Don't age me yet, Mar. Jake uh, is always older. Yes, Jake is always older. <laughs> Jake's always older. Um, but no, but still, so like. Yeah, okay. so I, I was, I mean, literally, like, I didn't know how to respond because I didn't, I wasn't sure if, like, she was being serious. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I looked at her and she's, she's like, being alone with me? I was like, no. I was like, we're 50-50. Like, we're, we're, like, you know, there was a time when. If someone saw like a dad at the park with his kid, they'd be like, ooh, dad's on babysitting duty. And I'm like, no, he's just parenting, mm-hmm. you know, um, like, he, yeah, so he's he's at home with the baby. And then like, you know, tomorrow I might be home while he goes like to run some errands or he goes to the gym or whatever, because that's what we do. Like we're both the baby's parents. Mm-hmm. And we both take care of him. And it just blew my mind that she thought that this might be the first time that he was alone with the baby and that he might be like, I don't know what to do. I don't, this thing doesn't come with an instruction manual. Mm. You know, like he's the whole, the whole first, I, I would say like month of the baby's life. My husband changed all the diapers. I had a really bad uh, recovery from my C-section. And so like he changed all the diapers. He did a lot of the like, a lot of the stuff, you know, like I, I was exclusively breastfeeding at the time. So like I that's the one thing that like I did. But my husband was like parenting like 101. He taught me a lot of stuff. You know, he was the one who told me like, oh, he likes this or he likes, you know. And just because like the 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 genderization of parenthood mm. drives me crazy because all of the dads that I know are very involved in the parenting of their children, you know? And I feel like when you also break parenting down into like the mom does this and the dad goes to work and the dad doesn't like, you know, then you're also like not leaving space for single. There's a lot of single dads who raise kids all by themselves and not just like kids who are teenagers and then go to live with their dads. I'm talking about like from birth till, 
you know, the kid is older. Mm-hmm. Like, there are single dads. That doesn't account for single dads and gay dads and single gay dads, mm-hmm. you know? Like, and there's just a whole world of parenting out there, and we're all trying to do the best we can. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter, you know, like, you know, I stayed home for maternity leave because my company offered it. If Justin's company offered it, he would have too, you know, mm-hmm. um, or we would have done it so that when I went back to work, then he could take his so that he could have some time, you mm-hmm. know, uh, and it just, yeah, so. Do you hit it though? I want to say though, the genderization of parenting is so true because I often say as somebody who, um, at least for most of my life, has really wanted kids and had a strong desire to have children. I would say this to people, and people would say, and it just within like the last like mm, probably like five years, I've really and I've pointed, I've even said things to people, not in a bitchy way, but just kind of this educational way. They'll say, "Oh, that's great, you really have a maternal instinct," and I say, "No, I have a paternal instinct, right? Because because I want to be, be a, a father, father, not a mother. And just because you want it, because then you're implying that a father doesn't want to have children." Yeah. Or a man doesn't want to have children. It's and it's it, and again, that's one of those things like asking about breastfeeding. Our initial instinct from the language we've learned that that is how we communicate. And you say, "Oh, he has a maternal." In-. No, it's about kind of opening that space up for different ways of of talking to one another. Right, and it's like you know, as much as my husband, especially when I've been sick in the past few months with my gallbladder and stuff like that has gone above and beyond and like doing all of the late night feedings and mm-hmm. helping pu- and doing most of them, putting the baby to bed and doing a lot of the, you know, the stuff I, it, it's hard because I want to say, Oh, I love him so much and he's doing so wonderfully. And he's, you know, he's really like taken to fatherhood, but that's what I, I would expect but, my husband to do. First of all, I'm not surprised because he wanted to have a kid just as much as I did. It mm-hmm. wasn't, you know, one of those like, you know, because people made jokes too when we got married. They're like, how soon is she going to make you have a kid? And he's like, we both want to have a kid like tonight. Like we both want to get pregnant yeah. like on our honeymoon, you know. Um, it was something we discussed and it's one of the reasons we got married. Um, but And I also don't feel like dad's. It's funny because I don't feel like dads get the credit they deserve. But at the same time, I don't feel like dads deserve a parade for doing what a, a, par- what do. a parent, a parent does. Do. A yeah. parent regardless of gender. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So like, you know, I have a friend who is a stay-at-home dad and his wife works. And, you know, a lot of people are like, oh my God, that's so wonderful and that's so modern. And, and he's like, well, you know, she makes more than I do. So when it came down to, to choosing, it was just we knew we wanted someone to stay home and financially it made sense for her to work and for me to stay home. And I love it, you know, and I'm a hands-on, and he's a hands-on dad and he does no, a lot I of know, great things. Yeah, I know a stay-at-home dad too. And he does a lot of, you know, great things with his kids and he has this wonderful special time with him. And when his wife comes home, nobody says, oh, mommy's babysitting or like when his wife takes the kids to the park, no one says, oh, she's someone's on mommy duty. Mm-hmm. Like she's, you know, just parenting the way any parent would. And so I think it's just really important, you know, again, when you talk to people who have kids or people who are about to have kids, you know, that you leave space for every, you know, everybody who is a parent parents their child mm-hmm. you know i know when we were growing up it was a little different you know but mr mom that was but, a huge movie. but it actually wasn't that different in my house because when i was growing up my mom worked full time and my dad worked the night shift so my dad was the one who got me up in the morning and like made my breakfast and took me to school or took me to the bus stop and when i came home my dad was the one who like made dinner and when my mom came home from work there was dinner on the table my dad was the one who helped me with my homework you know and so it never occurred to me that like those were like mom things to do 
you know, in the summer when I was off from school, my dad and I would go to the pool and we'd go to the library and we'd do stuff together, you know, because my dad was home during the day. I don't know when the man slept, you know, but, um, you know, probably while I was at school, but you know, so it never occurred to me that like, that there were certain roles that you would fill as a parent based on gender. You know, mm-hmm. and so when someone asked me, like, oh, is he terrified? I was like, terrified of what? His own child? Like, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I, I hope when people listening to this, again, too, I think, I think it's differently culturally, too, because maybe I'm wrong because I don't live in, like, the South anymore, but I do think that that gender gets, for parenting, gets a little more kicked out the window easier just being that we're in California. Because yeah. I, I know, like, I, I know four or five single dads raising kids at home whereas i think about like people i know like in oklahoma like i think some dads would get shit from that you know from and so i just want to just bring that up for anybody listening to like that that's something again you might just be aware of and i know i hope people take away from this conversation that just their language and how important their language is even with a complete stranger how yeah that can affect them um so we still have a little bit more time, and then we'll do Chatty Maddie. So, but any, um, yeah, there weren't any questions from the show. I don't know if I said that already, everybody. But I have so yeah, I did. But so many moms. I kind of hopefully we're covering the gamut. Gamut. If you have any other questions about this, send them to me at dearmaddieshow dot com. You can also go to my them. my blog, and there's a contact me. So oh, if you ever want to yeah. get in touch with okay. me, or you have a topic that you want me to write about, or if something resonates with you, or whatever, like I'd love to hear from people. Yes, 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 yes. And if you're in, and like I said, we're not wrapping up the show. I sound like I am. Yeah. But if you are interested, go to the Mama Files. And also, I recommend Muddling Mama, which is Jackie's blog yeah. as well, just because those are two very different perspectives because she has a toddler. But um, it is interesting now with her writing because she's talking about, again, about like, and she talks about this as well, like the pressure of you have one kid and now everybody expects you for you to have another one. And like, are they going to have another oh one? Oh my God, and when we were like, leaving the hospital, the nurse said, see you in two years. And you're like, and I was like, bitch, I'm gonna be 41 in two years. Like, you will not be seeing me. One and done. I'm pretty happy with the one I've got. Yeah, exactly. So, and so, okay. So, what would be, what is like one other topic that you have thought about that you would still want to write about in your blog that you feel like is either something you wish you would have heard before you had baby that you feel like was talked about, or um. Or something you feel like that, that, um, you know, that you've kind of experienced that seems out of the norm? Um, you know, I don't know if there's any, like, specific issue. I think I write things as they sort of come up in my brain. Mm-hmm. I still want to write the post about, like, my whole breastfeeding experience. Um, but it's been written so eloquently by so many other women. I just recently read a post, and I might actually link to it in my blog, um, I don't remember where I read it, but it, I have it bookmarked somewhere where this woman wrote about, she, you know, I think that the title of the piece was, I'm not going, to, if I have another kid, I'm not going to breastfeed them, and this is why, and it's okay. And it was basically the same thing. She she had a lot of the similar experiences. Her first baby lost a lot of weight, and she had to supplement, and then she was having a hard time with the breastfeeding, and, you know, it was a lot of the same issues. And I was like, I read it, and I was like, that's exactly what I was going to write. <laughs> but she mm. did it so much more eloquently than I did, you know. Um, yeah, but also, too, I want to encourage you to potentially write that only yeah. because it's I remember whenever I started working with uh, queer youth mm-hmm. in my masters being kind of like if somebody wanted to tell their coming out story right. I'd be like I've heard that before we've all heard that but everybody but hears this story and it resonates a different perspective yeah. yeah but to get back to your question you know I don't think there are any more like 
huge issues I want to write about. So it's a lot of the little things that like, you know, I mean, I don't know yet if this is a BuzzFeed post or if this is a post for my blog or maybe two different versions. Um, but there's a lot of like just the the little things that nobody tells you about that happen to your body when you come home. I was just about to bring up your body. From, from having a baby, whether you have the baby vaginally or a C-section. There's a lot of things that like, you know, I knew that there'd be like bleeding for a few days. What I didn't know was that I was basically going to have a period for six weeks after I had That's my baby. That's a lot. You know, you're breastfeeding all the time and you're like... Or maybe you're not. Again, I don't want to imply that like that's assumed that you're breastfeeding. But you know, you're you're feeding a baby every time it's awake, and you're not sleeping, and you're already and you're, and you're literally bleeding for six weeks straight. You're wearing these pads that they give you at the hospital, and you think, oh, they they send you home with so many of them, and you think I'm only gonna need these for a couple more days, and then I could just like put on like just like a regular like always ultra. No, <laughs> you have to wear basically like a body pillow between your legs for six weeks. The other thing that like I have never heard one of my friends who has kids talk about or mention, um, I it was like three weeks after my son was born. I, you know, I wasn't feeling well. Then all of a sudden I had a straight up contraction. Like, like, oh, really? like a real contraction. I, at first, I didn't know what it was. I thought it was like, my mother thought I was dying because I stood up and all of a sudden I was like, oh my God. And like, I was doubled over in pain. I started crying and I couldn't speak because like when I was having my late labor contractions before I got my epidural, the contractions were so bad that like my knees would buckle and I couldn't like, I couldn't even like, I could I could barely even moan. I couldn't get anything out. I was just like, oh, you know, mm-hmm. and that was happening. And like Justin and my mom, we were all just like sitting around watching TV and they were like, what is happening? And so then I went for like my four week checkup with my doctor and I told them that happened. And the doctor was like, yeah, that happens. And I was like, why did anybody fucking tell me that happens? I was like, did we forget? Like, was there a twin in there that we forgot to push out? Like, what the hell? Like, it it scared. The, and I was like, is it going to happen again? And he was like, oh, it might. I was like, what? <laughs> how how did nobody think that this was relevant information? They give you so much paperwork when you leave the hospital about like what kind of medicine you're allowed to take and what kind of rest you should be getting and what like all of these different like, you know, aftercare tips. And nobody tells you that you could have another contraction. So it's like these kind of things that like I wish we were a little bit more open about because then I would say to my friend, this thing happened to me. And like, yeah, that happened to me too. And I was totally surprised. And like, well, then why didn't you tell me? <laughs> Why didn't you, t- if you knew it was going to happen to me and nobody had warned <laughs> you, why didn't you tell me, like you know? So like I have friends who are pregnant now and like I give them bits of information like little by little. I don't want to be like, it's terrible. These are all the things that are going to happen. <laughs> but every once in a while I'll be like, by the way, you're going to have a contraction. Like, you know, I'm just like, by the way, be prepared for that. You know, so there's a lot of like those little things that I was just like, I was almost like mad when it happened. I was like. Seriously, seriously, all of my friends was with pretty kids. Good for you. What? I feel like pregnancy was pretty good. You were nauseous a yeah, little bit. Yeah, the first, the first trimester, I was pretty sick all the time. I couldn't really eat anything but plain pasta and Ritz crackers. Um, the second trimester, I felt great, and um, I loved watching my belly grow, and I got my appetite back. You know, I would get a little, I would get headaches a little bit more frequently, but that was pretty much it. And then my third trimester was really great until like the very end. I was hospitalized with a virus a week before the baby was born. I couldn't breathe. You know, that was a little rough. A little but rough. until literally until then, 
And that was week 40 because the baby was born a week late. So it was like right before my due date, I was hospitalized. <laughs> you guys. But I've never seen oh anybody God. who wanted a kid out of her body so much in my life. I was so ready. <laughs> well, part of it was because his his due date was a very special day. And we were really hoping that he'd be born on his due date. Uh-huh. Um, his due date was the second anniversary of my mother-in-law's passing. Mm-hmm. And we just thought it'd be really special. We, I mean, I got goosebumps when we were told that was his due date. So I sort of wanted him out by then. But also my my dad was here for two weeks. He bought a ticket for like a week before and a week after the due date to sort of cushion it. Mm-hmm. And when like we were getting close to like my dad's like check-in time, you know, we, we were like, mm-hmm. get out, get out, get out. Your grandpa wants to meet you. You know, my dad mm-hmm. wound up extending his stay a little bit because the baby was born late. But yeah, I was ready to have that baby. And now sometimes I was like, oh, I miss being pregnant. But I'm never going to do it again. But I miss it, you know? Yeah, so you already are, like, never going to. Yeah, I, I mean, never say never, but I, I don't think so. I mean, with my age and the fact that it was already a miracle that we got pregnant the first time, um, you know. And also, this is something that we haven't really touched on, and I don't know how much time we have. But my son um, has some special needs. or mm. I, I hate the term special needs. My son has some very specific needs. Mm-hmm. Um, he's deaf in one ear, completely deaf. The ear, it's like a nerve issue. So, like, there's, like, nothing there. It can't be aided it can't be it can't be like treated it's he's never Mm going to hear out of that side Mm -hmm. um and so we don't know yet what that exactly means for his development because he's too young to express it Mm -hmm. you know i mean he definitely hears sound his left ear works um you know the dogs have woken him up before Mm -hmm. and that's great but he may have speech and language delays um i learned something really fascinating uh it recent research has proven that you know how you have a left side of the brain and the right side of the brain and like your um, left side of the brain is where all the logic and language and um, speech comes Mm -hmm. from and your right side of the brain is where creativity and music Mm -hmm. and emotion live well your right ear is connected to your left brain and your left ear is connected to your right brain so it actually matters which ear you're deaf in so kids who are deaf in their right ear are more likely to have speech delays because it's connected to the part of the brain where that lives. Mm-hmm. So, and that's the year he's deaf in. But it's funny because Justin and I both love language. We both love to read. We got married at a library. Like we, you know, we love books. We love talking. We love language. Um, so, you know, we're concerned about his language and speech development. But at the same time, we're also very emotionally intelligent people and we love music and we love art and stuff like that. And so we're kind of relieved that like that side of his brain is going to like the music of life and emotion and stuff like that is going to come more easy to him. And it's almost going to overcompensate. So he's going to be very emotionally intelligent. He's going to be very in tune to like music and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. you know. And if he has a speech delay, he has a speech delay. If he doesn't talk till he's three or four, that's okay. Because when he's in high school, nobody asks you, hey, when did you start talking? Just matters that you're talking now. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And he's, you know, he's already working with like teachers and an early start program and stuff like that. So we're giving him all the tools that he needs. But you know, as far as like financially and with our energy and our resources, my, you know, we're getting older. I'm going to be 40 next year. My husband's going to be 40 this year. The idea of having another kid, first of all, is exhausting. The idea mm-hmm. of it is exhausting. And secondly, like I love the kid that I have right now and I don't want to take any resources away from him for an imaginary child that doesn't exist yet. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like I know that my heart would be big enough for two kids or more, but I honestly don't know that I could afford to give two kids both the life that mm-hmm. they that they need. And I'm not just talking about physical stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about education. I'm talking about food. I'm talking about like the the basic like 
human necessities in life. And to be able to give the time, attention, and resources to a kid who I know is going to need them is more important to me than just like keep like also people say are you going to try again for a girl i'm like no like i have the kid i'm supposed to have Mm -hmm. you know it doesn't matter if he's a boy or a girl or you know how he identifies in the future like he's he's my like rafe is my kid Mm -hmm. and he's exactly the kid that i want Mm -hmm. you know when i bring that up too because i don't care whether you have one kid five kids seven kids whatever but i bring that up because i think a lot of people listening feel pressure either from parents or siblings that it's like it's not even an option. You have to have 2.5 kids. Have to. Yep. And so, uh, so anyway, that's just why I brought that because I knew that you would explain that so eloquently. So, oh, thank you. Um, well, okay. Well, I mean, that's basically, I think we've gone like almost an hour. I oh, feel boy. like we could uh, wrap it up with a little chatty Matty. Oh, boy. Which, I, you know, I tried to prepare for this. Uh-huh. I, I was like, and well, then, and then I, questions. and I know, but I've been listening to the podcast yeah, recently. Yeah. So I've been like, you know, and then, I forgot about all the clever answers I had. So here we go. We're going to start from scratch. Well, because before I asked you, like, I, sh- I should have gone back and listened to it. I listened to our old podcast. Because the question's like, fa- something about favorite place you had sex or something. Or, or weirdest place you had sex. And I didn't answer it because you gave us the choice of that one or, like, first celebrity crush. Oh, first celebrity crush. Oh, yeah. yeah I forgot I did that one. Um, but I do. So, I do, you know, I... I feel like this is still a, a worthwhile question because Chatty Matty one is, you know, what's your uh, most memorable childhood smell? Yes. Well, and, well mm-hmm. oh, you're going to say something? Oh, no, go ahead. go ahead. And so I know you probably had something last time, but mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people have smells. So yeah. do you remember what you said last time? I do remember what I said last time, and I have a different answer this time because I have a lot of childhood memories. But also I have a bone to pick with you about the way you ask this question on your podcast because – Sometimes you ask it and then you follow it up with saying, you know, your favorite or whatever. But memorable and favorite are not the same thing. Like, yeah. I remember traumas. I remember things. I have things in my life that are, like, very memorable that I'll never forget. And then I have things that are my favorite. I have mm. movies that I'll never forget seeing, but it's not my favorite movie, yeah. you know. Um, so, which is it? Are you asking which for my favorite well, you know, or my, my most memorable? It's my show. I, mean, I know, but, up on but, I, but, which, but which, which are you asking me for? No, today, today I'm asking you memorable. Okay. So but it I, might be favorite for somebody next week. I would say, um, the for me, I grew up in Miami, um, and I think one of the most memorable, I'll qualify by saying one of them, because I'm the kind of person, too, where we're like, you ask me my favorite movie, and I'll give you five movies, yeah. and you ask me tomorrow, and I'll give you five different movies. I can't pick one. Mm-hmm. So what I said last time was the smell of my grandmother's cooking, which I still mm. have a great memory of, but... Uh, I would say one of my most memorable childhood smells throughout my whole childhood is the like the, the smell of chlorine, like the pool smell, oh. because I spent so much time at the public pool and in my friends' pools, and I always wanted, like my parents never mm. got a pool. Uh, we begged and begged and begged. It's hot as shit in Miami they all the time. They did when you retired. No. <laughs> when they, they retired, I mean. No, they did when my nephew was born. Yeah. They got him a pool. They literally, they built a pool for him when he was born. <laughs> And I was like, thanks, mom and dad. Um, but yeah, the smell of like the pool, the smell of suntan lotion, like all of the pool smells and even like the smell of Doritos because like we would sit by the pool and like eat Doritos. Like just mm-hmm. that, like the, the smell of like summer, which in Miami was mm-hmm. all year round. Um, so and, like the slushies from the um, snack bar at the pool, which when I was older, I worked at and I worked at the snack bar and I made mm-hmm. slushies. And every time somebody ordered a slushie, I'd make two, one for them, one for me. 
<laughs> um, you know? Uh, so yeah, I think that's small. And now I finally have a house with a pool for the first time. Like the house that Justin and I bought when we got married had a pool and we just took the baby in the pool for the first time. I'll Drop show you pictures, pictures later. Yeah. It's he, and he, he did really well. He like, he like, he wasn't like, yay, splashing around. He was sort of like, Ooh, what is this? But he didn't cry. He didn't make any like bad faces. He was like, Oh, this is pretty cool. Um, which I had a feeling cause he likes the bath. Um, so I, I didn't think he was going to be like water. What is this? You know, yeah. he, he really enjoyed it. And I'm very much looking forward to him being a water baby. Water baby. Yeah. So oh. I would say that's my most, one of my, one of my most memorable childhood smells is the smell of like chlorine and suntan lotion and all of the smells associated with the pool. All right. I like that. I, that took me back to the Red Cross pool that I went to swimming lessons in. So I like that one. Um, okay, Chatty Matty number two. What is? I don't have my list in front of me. Chatty Matty number two is I ask your favorite smell, and then I usually ask uh, when. I think this is. Which did I ask you before? I don't think I asked. There's when are you most inspired? And then, yeah, I think it's that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I don't. I didn't ask that the first round. I, I believe. I think you might have, but I don't remember what my answer was. Well, but I, I would say, you know, ooh, I, I'm going to have a second part of this. So go. I ahead. would like to say that I'm inspired all the time, and I find inspiration in everything. But you know, I don't find inspiration on my commute. Like you know, I listen to like podcasts on my commute, um, and I try to like not think about anything. Um, I think this is going to sound like such a trite like mom answer. But when I see my son discover things every day, he's discovering. That was my second part of the question. Every about him. day like, he discovers something. Like you know, the other day it was his toes. He was just staring at his toes, <laughs> and he's like, "I have toes," you know. And the other day he like grabbed something with both hands, and it was the first time he'd done that. And I was just like, "That's amazing," you know. Um, and so I'm inspired because I, like, I think about. What it must be like as a baby. You literally don't know anything. Like he's, yeah. like he's never seen a spoon before. Like we're going to spoon feed him for the first time today uh-huh. when I get home. We, I just bought like baby food for the – we're going to give him his first taste of like something that's not milk. And I'm very excited. But like imagine like you've never had food before. He's uh-huh. never seen – a spoon like so just watching him discover things you know or like when he sees like a light through like the crack of the window and he just stares at it or we were we've been to our pediatrician's office already like a million times and yesterday and we usually have him in his stro- in his stroller while we're in the waiting room but yesterday was it yesterday yeah, yesterday we took him to the pediatrician and we just carried him in because he's bigger now and whatever. And we sat down in the lobby and the, there's a fish tank in the lobby. And he'd never seen it before because he was always just sort of like lying in the stroller. And I have pictures of him just like staring at the fish and following them with his eyes because he can, he's starting to see color for the first time. The doctor said, I was like, just about to ask where he, four he, months when A they lot of seeing. it is still in black and white. He can see red. He can see blue um, and certain really bright colors. But most of it is still like black, white, and gray. Um, but he was just staring at the fish. And it was just like, what, what must he think this is? Like, I have no idea what he's thinking. And what, mm. you know. So I just try to like, I get inspired because I'm just, you know, he's literally going through life and like learning about everything every day. Like, he doesn't even know he has hands yet. Like, you know, like he doesn't know what they do, you Mm. know, he, he doesn't like, he's, 
he's teething and he hasn't cut a tooth yet so he's like in pain he doesn't know why it works both ways like there's beautiful like discoveries Mm -hmm. and there's also like why does my mouth hurt and he doesn't Mm -hmm. understand it and then he's gonna get teeth and then he's gonna eat food like it's just crazy that there was a time in my life where i had never eaten pizza before (laughs) you know because i didn't have any teeth which seems like you would go out eating pizza right so i think that's really inspiring to me to see him like go through the world and make discoveries every day. And so I'm trying to like be more observant and like make discoveries every day. I'm always fascinated by cave people. Like, I'm like, how the fuck did cave, like cave women and cavemen right. do this? Yeah. Like, like how did do they, they survive? Did they get their periods? Like, what did they yeah, do? Yeah. Did, like, how do they even What survive? did they do? The kid's like chewing on a dick, uh, which is probably what their kid did. Okay. Uh, so that's Chatty Manor too. I, I don't have a little, Chatty Manor number three is, um, Oh, I think this was a new one. Chatting number three, what would be the name of your memoir? Okay. So I was trying to come up. what you thought I was going to ask? Yeah. Okay. I was trying to come up with like a clever answer or like a funny answer or whatever. Well, and I think, I think it would be the one of two things. I think either in real life, if I wrote a memoir, whatever I wrote is like a placeholder until I found a better title would wind up being the title because I like I would procrastinate on that and then all of a sudden it would be like so it would be be something like clever title coming soon I think that would be the name <laughs> of my memoir so you. yeah clever title coming soon um, I think my easy answer is um, messy hair whiskey neat mm. would be a good title for my memoir I think, I think clever that like title covers coming it soon, yeah, clever so title coming soon yeah. Or insert clever title here or something like that. No, I like clever title coming soon because you're always thinking. Yeah. Uh, So so that was one, two, three. We have four. Uh, Chatting number, chatting Manny. I'm blanking on my own questions here. Groundhog Day. Oh, yeah. That was was a new one too. Yeah, it's a new one. I did a lot of, so yeah, what day would be chatting Manny number four? What would you do to Groundhog Day? I did a lot of thinking about this. Uh Um, (laughs) Uh-huh. Do you remember my questions? Yeah. That pretty much sums up our friendship, everybody. And well, my wedding day was a great day. The day that my son was born wasn't such a great day, but it was, I mean, he was born. So like, you know, like the beginning of the day wasn't so great, but once he was born, the rest of it was pretty great. You, so was, I'm going to interrupt you because you say something in your blog that I think was so cool. You said a friend told you, and I'm going to fuck it up, so make it right. But basically you said like your friend said that it was going to be like the worst pain you ever felt and something. Followed about- by like complete euphoria. Yes. Yeah. The, yeah. Or the, the biggest wave of euphoria you've ever felt. That was yes. Kara that said that to me. I thought that was such um, a... a perfect term yeah you know and so like i don't necessarily want to live that day again i think if i had to pick a day from recent memory um that i would love to like live again a million times it it was uh august 3rd or august 10th i don't remember uh it was the day that we went to disneyland with danny and that we surprised because it started out with a a surprise that I had put together for a friend with some other friends but it was like I was just really glad that I was able to like pull this pull it off and we surprised a great friend everybody Allie fucking Allie is like that Kristen Wiig character and the surprise party. I do love surprising people you love surprising people I love I love getting surprised like I told my husband that when we were first dating I was like I love surprises because a lot of people (laughs) like I hate surprises I was like I love surprises no gesture is too grand for me, but even more than I love surprises, I love surprising people. That's why we did a surprise bachelorette party yeah. for you. Um, or baby shower. Yeah. Ba- yeah. Bachelorette. My bachelorette party bachelorette was a surprise, surprise party. Yeah. Um, so long story short, a, a good friend of ours was going through chemotherapy and she was having, you know, you know, that's not a fun time. But she was doing it like every other week. So there was always like a good week in between where she could like do stuff and be active and whatever where she was feeling good. And so... 
we sort of felt like she needed something fun to do and she loves Disneyland who doesn't Um, and so we got a bunch of people together she was a former camper of ours Mm -hmm. and uh, Maddie and I met uh, teaching at a summer camp for girls and a lot of the girls now are all grown up and they live here in LA so we got together with some former counselors and former campers and we showed up at her house we arranged it with her boyfriend then who's now her husband Um, we showed up at her house at like seven in the morning and surprised her with like signs and we were wearing camp shirts and like we sang camp songs and we're like get in the car you're going to Disneyland and the funniest thing about that was she had no idea it was happening and she was like hold on let me go get my Disneyland bag like the bag that she takes at Disneyland like and, she has it right, and bag. we were like we looked at her boyfriend like you told her and he's like no she just has like a bag <laughs> like a go bag for any time like it's time to go to Disneyland like she just has a go bag <laughs> <laughs> and whatever. Um, and so, you know, one of our, one of the former campers that was with us has a very big connection to Disney through uh-huh. um, what her dad does for a living. Uh, he's a very important person in the Disney world, but yeah. I don't want to really like, you know, put anybody's yeah. names out there. But anyway, but so like, he, I will say, when you think of top 10 most influential Disney people, in, he's in the history he's of Disney. probably top five. In the history of Disney. Like, if there's yeah. a Disney documentary, his name is mentioned in it. Like, yeah, so, exactly. Um, anyway, so he has a million Oscars. You can probably figure it out. Do the math. Mm. Um, anyway, so her dad arranged for us to have, like, a VIP treatment at Disney. So there was 10 of us, and there was a tour guide who literally took us to every ride. Lines were, like, two hours long. She would take us to the front of the ride and be like, they're next. And the 10 of us would just get on whatever ride we wanted to. And we'd go back and forth from Disneyland to California Adventure all day. Do you remember riding? For me, the pinnacle was when we rode the Haunted Mansion completely by ourselves. Yes. Normally, there's like 30 people in there. And they're like, nope, just these 10. And we like... She get oh it was amazing. It was truly it was one of the best days of my Wait, life. Wait, and then we even got that like nobody gets this. Even this girl's dad who arranged this for us has never been able to do this. We got a private tour of Walt Disney's apartment, his private apartment above the firehouse at yeah. Disneyland, where Walt Disney used to live when he came to, to Anaheim. So anyway, that day was, was amazing, yeah. and we stayed at Disney. I mean, we were lucky enough that our friend who had been sick was feeling so well that day that we were able to stay. All we the way to the, down. All, we close it down to the fireworks, and then at that time, Justin and I were were dating, and um, I went I went straight from Disneyland to his apartment to see him, and I brought I'd got him some fudge at Disneyland, whatever, and I wanted to see him. So, like, what's one of the reasons this is a Groundhog Day? Because I spent the day with like best friends, and then I spent the evening with the person who is now the love of my life. Um, but I get I got to his apartment, and. Um, that night for the first he told me he loved me for the first time and I told him I loved him oh. for the first time so like that whole day from beginning to end was literally I the per- was part. literally the perfect day you know from like literally spending the day at Disneyland getting this VIP tour with people with nine people that I love yes. more than anything in the world and then going to my boyfriend's apartment and like telling each other we love each other for the first time uh and th- there's a funny story about that on my blog too. I'll I'll like tell the very short version of it. Oh, there is, yeah. Yeah. So, um, we had been dating for a little while, and you know, I I'm not getting any younger, and I knew I wanted to get married and have kids and whatever. And um, <laughs> he told me he loved me, and then there was like a pause. I didn't say anything. Justin tells me that pause felt like it was like an hour, <laughs> but I I paused. And I said to him, instead of saying I love you too or like even like that's wonderful, I just said, um, 
we need to talk about a couple things. <laughs> and I was like, you know, we're both obviously getting very invested in this relationship. And this is sort of like a turning point. And I just want to know that we want the same things because I don't want to sort of like move forward and then have my heart broken when we're like, we've been together for three years and are in love and then we want different things and we have to go our separate ways because I'm going to get too old to have those things. So I said to him, I said, I was wondering, you know, I, I wanted to know if marriage and children, if you see that as part of your future. I said, I'm not looking for it to happen tomorrow or even in a year or whatever. I just want to know that like that's on the table. And so he sort of confirmed that it was. And then I was like, I love you too. <laughs> and he was like, oh, thank God. Like, you know, he's breathed a sigh of relief. And so it was, it was a really sweet moment. I'm sure it was terrifying for him. It was terrifying for me because I'd never been brave enough to ask that of anyone, which is why I was in so many bad relationships because I never had honest conversations with people. I was just sort of like, he likes me. I'm going to do whatever I can to stay in this relationship, mm -hmm. you know, and those relationships weren't worth staying in. And so... I met Justin and from day one we had honest conversations like mm -hmm. our first date we talked about some real shit like mm -hmm. real life shit you know the kind of stuff you normally reserve telling somebody until like the eighth date we talked about on the first date mm -hmm. um, and so he was I knew that like I could ask him that question without him freaking out without him running away with and he was just like yeah these are things I want too. not tomorrow but like as long as I find the right person these are things I want and I was like that's all I needed to hear. And now I can tell you that I love you too. Yeah, I so, I mean, that whole day from beginning to end was just like the most beautiful day. It was just filled with so much joy and so much love that I could live that day a million times over. I wish I didn't have another chatting Maddie because I want to end on that. What is the last chatting Maddie? I can't remember. Do you still do celebrity shit the bed? Or no? no? Good. Cause what was <laughs> that's, all, that's what I do for a living. That's what is right no, about celebrities shit the bed. inspired. Groundhog Day. Um... Uh, childhood smell memoir what is the fifth one I don't remember my own show I've asked these literally over a hundred times and I've listened to them a million times I'm trying to think of like a specific episode like Chrissy or like Lauren and like to hear to, to remind myself what their answers were because I would remember a friend somebody's answers. yelling at the is yelling yeah at their people car are right yelling now. at their car right now I'm Jackie Wise and I even prepared this. for this and I, I should remember what the other answer what the other question is because I probably prepared an answer for it I don't I'm like so blanking I know I could like look it up but it's uh what is it it's smell Groundhog Day memoir when are you most inspired inspired oh I remember now. Oh, good. And I, I think I asked this, but maybe I didn't. Did I ask what is the best piece of advice you wish you'd taken earlier? Oh. No, you didn't ask me this before. And this one I did not prepare for. Um, I think just in general and just in life, mm -hmm. um, one thing I'm learning now is to sort of give myself the benefit of the doubt I give other people. Like with the mom guilt. Because I don't judge other moms. For the, things, all, like for, for, the thing, for the things that I've judged myself for. Mm -hmm. And the same thing, just like even like with my writing or with my work, you know, like at work, I get down on myself for not being, you know, as maybe as clever as a coworker or maybe as this or whatever, but sort of realizing that every once in a while someone comes to me and says, hey, I love that post you wrote about this or whatever. So mm -hmm. reminding myself that like to give myself the breaks that I give to other people mm. and to be as kind to myself as I am to to friends and to strangers. I don't think anybody's ever said that. I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. 
Well, I'm well. You know, like I like I like I love how Ellen always ends her shows. Ellen DeGeneres always ends her shows with "Be kind to each other." Mm-hmm. But I think it's also really, really important to be kind to yourself. Yeah. You know, and I don't mean yeah. be selfish. I don't mean be like I'm going to go get pampered and get spa treatments every weekend because I deserve it. If you deserve it, go for it. You do you. And if you can afford it, but I just mean like letting yourself off the hook and letting mm-hmm. yourself, you know, be okay with your choices and letting mm-hmm. yourself like just. Yeah, being kind to yourself. Yeah, being kind to yourself. Well, all right. So we'll tell everybody where they can find you. Okay. You can find me at um, buzzfeed.com slash Allie Velez, A-L-I-V as in Victor, E-L-E-Z. You can find me at themamafiles.com. You can find me on Twitter, even though I I think it's been like a a year since I've tweeted. I I tweeted a a BuzzFeed post that I wrote the other day. Um, I told James Woods to have a seat because he needs That was a great post. I shared that post. Yeah. but uh, you can follow me on Twitter if you want to at at me Ali Velez, like me Cookie Monster, um, yeah. and then uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's you know, it, yeah. Facebook and Instagram are, aren't really like I, I don't really have a brand, so they're not really for like that. They're just like for my friends to look at pictures of yeah. you know my my dog and stuff. So, um, oh, my dog is the yeah. sweetest. Yeah. Well, um, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much for having me back. No, it's, no, I really I've think been, it was. I, it, you know, because. When we first did the podcast, my life has changed so much. You know, I was like single. And then like literally a week later, I met my husband. And in those three years, I mean, we met. And then six months later, we were engaged. A year after that, we were married and bought a house. And Well, we met. And five months later, we had a, we had a dog together. and We moved in together. Then a month later, we got engaged. Then a year later, we got married. And now we haven't even been married for two years yet we've been married for a year and a half and we have a four-month-old son yeah y'all and don't wait around yeah we don't we don't take things slow you don't take things slow well i think definitely something you and justin do is i'm taking a line from your blog because you said it because i love that you wrote it i think you both live in the magic yes and so of life so I, I i've never heard that quote before and so i i really uh i like that so i hope that for anybody listening today follow ally uh, for, you know, the, the the deal for me as well. You can ask any questions at DearMaddieShow.com. If you have a question for Allie, you can ask me there, or you can go to Allie's site at the Mama Files. Yeah, there's and ask a contact, contact me. page. Yep. Um, or you could tweet her, and she'll respond to it in like yep. six months. Um, no, you're, you're pretty good. But well, now um, that I'm back at work, I'm yeah, going to be more active more. on tweet on Twitter. Um, you know, when I was home with my baby, there were just more important things re- to do yeah. than more. than to like tweet about you know some random thing i also keep remembering that like twitter is for the like funny comments so like sometimes i would like post a funny thing that my son did on facebook and i was like that's funny i was like oh i should have tweeted that yeah. i'm learning you're learning your mom, your mom, mom i only work mom. in social media whatever yeah, whatever <laughs> well for the rest of you uh thank you so much for listening you know that um i love you all and uh we will be um yeah just keep on listening appreciate it. leave it if you like the show leave it a, a review on itunes uh, Stitcher, leave a comment, write actually the comment. Actually, don't just put five stars. Actually, write something that helps. And yeah, and so do something for someone this week and live in the magic, everybody. Live in the magic. All right, see you next week. Bye. Bye. So, sugars, what did you think about that? What, what, 
what were your thoughts? What were your emotions? Like, are you thinking differently? I really, I mean, I would talk to women about breastfeeding all the time because I'm genuinely interested. But I realized, you know, this has really made me, I just the other day, I was having a conversation with a girl and uh, I started to ask that question. I thought, you know, maybe I shouldn't ask her about that. Maybe that's a personal thing. So I, I just appreciate having Allie on the show so much and kind of how she switched this perspective for me. You should follow her on her Instagram too, by the way, because her baby is real fat and real cute. And I'm real happy about it, y'all, because y'all know I love a good fat baby. So, Sugars, you know the rest of the deal. We're still going strong with other stuff. We've got Jake and I doing TVT time. Find the mid season, the winter finale, Riverdale is coming up next week. So, you know, we're talking about that on TVT time. You can go to tvttime.com or you can just download the episode of TVT time. Um, you know, Poodle and I love doing that show. So, the, the Christmas, the holidays are coming. We still, I, I'm going to have new shows coming at you all during Christmas, December time for you to uh, to get them in your car or wherever you're driving. You're driving around looking for Christmas gifts. I wanted to get this episode up on Thursday, but you know, life's happened. So, this is why it's coming up on a Friday night. But I promise that I'll try to be a little bit better about bam, bamming it to you every Thursday. That sounded bad. That sounded dirty. I'm not going to do intimate things with you. I meant I'm bamming an episode of Dear Maddie. You know what? You know what I mean, sugar. So I love you so much. I appreciate you for listening. The best thing you can do for me is share this show. Tell a friend about it. Share it on social media. Say, hey, I think this show's great. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts at Sugar's. I love you. I'll talk to you later. And, you know, as I say, do something for someone this week.